0: And again, to remind you, what is a personality? The personality is made up of how you think, act, and feel. And if you keep thinking in same ways, you can't show up as a new member of the team. And so no matter how small the team is, two people all the way up to a few thousand people, remember that you have to most probably change quite a lot to fit into the team. And that's the hardest part. And I think that's the part that builds trust and builds commitment to the team is to show how are you willing to change your personality to create a new personal reality that's more conducive to the team and to and to a more peaceful sort of coherence between the people inside those teams?
1: Hey, it's me, Sean, producer of the Expansive Podcast. Do you find yourself sharing the pod with friends and colleagues? We know that you love learning with the guys, but. Did you know you can book John Sonnais or Eric Kruger, or why not book them both to deliver a keynote for your team or organization? Email us at at trainingattheexpansive.com. One more time, that's theexpansive.com. Back to the episode.
0: Welcome to The Expansive Podcast, where we explore the frontiers of personal growth, business innovation, and technology. We believe that growth and progress come from expanding our minds, exploring new possibilities, and embracing change. Welcome to this week's pod. Sorry, we've been off for the last week. We've been trying to get our schedules right, and it just hasn't been working. Thank you for joining us again this week. And I'm always joined by my ever handsome podcast with a podcast co host with a new mustache you a question. (laughs) What's happening there, Eric, with the new facial hair that's happening on that facial space yeah, of yours? Yeah.
1: Uh, do you
0: like it? I love it. I mean, it really does remind me of Magnum. <laughs> Magnum. That's exactly the look I was going for. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yes, Magnum. I must. How many how many moustache jokes are there? I mean, I only remember right now. I must ask you a question.
1: What was? <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, it's it's going good. Uh, me and my mustache, uh, we've been very busy. I've I've missed you last week. It was like we just couldn't align our schedules to to jump on a call. Um, but otherwise, yeah, it's been busy. It's been good. What's been happening on your side? Yeah, very good. Uh, I've been in three different continents in the last week. Having an excellent
0: time in the States, uh, back in Dubai, back in Cape Town, back in Dubai next week and uh, just zigzagging the world at the moment and loving every moment of it. I do find myself on huge, huge, huge highs and then I have to crash. I just have to go and like get into a cocoon for a day or two just to recoup and so out of that recoup now and uh yeah very excited for the week ahead very excited to be recording this pod and also all the behind i mean i think we keep telling people we're doing so much behind the scenes work for the pod but actually nothing's changed on the front end but we are doing a lot behind the scenes (laughs) i don't know when it's going to kick in but eventually it'll kick in but i'm excited for everything that we're doing for the pod as well
1: Mm. well i mean there has been some changes like the the audio is better the uh the jingles are better, better differentiation between segments. So small things that are, that are coming together. But yeah, I'm with you on that. Um, and today's topic is all about relationships, right? And um, it's actually funny because we we jumped on the call this morning and we we're like, what are we going to talk about? And we had different topics, but when we spoke about it, we realized it's actually more or less the same thing. So I wanted to jump on and talk about the team environment and how do we cultivate a team environment for growth and you wanted to talk about relationships and actually it's kind of the same thing it is how do we create a, an environment in a relationship that is um conducive to someone feeling heard uh, feeling like they belong and feeling valued you know i
0: i i Obviously, we love dogs so much, right? And I constantly say that I want to be the voice for the voiceless uh, when it comes to dogs. And Mm. when it comes to relationships, it's exactly the same as dogs, as in anything that you engage with, the person, the dog, and even the tree, depends how esoterical you want to get, wants to be seen, wants to be appreciated, Mm. wants to be held, wants to feel safe. And I know we did a psychological safety pod uh, recently and it had so much feedback and so many people enjoyed it. You did such a great job with that, Eric. But I think this is just an extension of that because I think as we evolve mm. through life, no matter how young or how old you are, especially with this unbelievably uh, changing pace of the future ahead of us, people require to be held and heard more than ever. Now, whether you take this from an intimate relationship where it's just one-on-one all the way up to organizational structures with thousands of people working with them, the common denominator is the human being at the center of it that wants to be held and heard. And I think that we're coming at the exact same topic from two different angles. just explains where our Mm. hearts are, where our focus are, but how our skills apply to the same sort of focus from different angles. So let's start off with team safety or relationship safety inside the organization, and then let's bring it back down into just an intimate friendship or relationship sort of space and the sort of golden thread between them.
1: Yeah, so let me kick it off by saying um, this idea of of the team environment has been top of mind for me a lot lately. And we know that, so we covered this in the the previous episode. Uh, Google ran this project called Project Aristotle, where they looked at 180 different teams to determine uh, what creates team effectiveness. And one of the catch lines that they have in their report is that it's not just about uh, who is on the team in terms of like hiring rock stars, but it's also about how the people on the team interact. And when you think about it, that interaction that we have ultimately creates the team environment. And what I've come to realize is that mediocre teams will leave this team environment up to chance, whereas high-performing teams are more deliberate in scripting what does that relationship Look like? Or what does that environment look like? And of course, you will never have exceptional team performance. If you have a mediocre team environment, it's just not going to happen. And this team environment is ever present. It's a, it's a space that you walk into that you can feel it's the language we use to describe that feeling, how does it feel to be a part of the team? It's the sense of belonging, it is our expectations, it's the social contract, It's the foundation from which we do all of our work. And so it's quite clear, actually, that in our relationships and in our teams, um, if we want to see those relationships result or transform into a productive output, and productive output here being a valuable relationship, a deep and loving relationship, or just the team accomplishing its mission, If we want that output, then we need an environment that's going to cultivate the behaviors that give us that output. And so we need to be very intentional about crafting it. And I have three different points around how we craft that, at least a starting point for how we craft that sort of an environment. And I think these will apply to relationships, like intimate relationships, friendships, family, but also to teams. Uh, Do you have anything that you want to jump in on there?
0: Yeah, um, you know, I often think about how I used to approach relationships when I was younger, not realizing the amount of effort it required to build the container in which to feel safe. In. And this goes from intimate relationships mm. and to friendships, obviously to workspaces as well, but it really is a science. It really is a practice that we have to apply ourselves to and You know, I've been married and um, it didn't work out. And in hindsight, I realized the lack of structure and focus there was um, on building Mm. it. And so I've been on both sides of it, you know. And so I think it's really exciting to unpack them, verbalize them, and then anchor onto them as a practice uh, so that we can apply ourselves and also realize that nothing is built without effort. Nothing is built without intentionality Mm. and actionability. And so this is great. So why don't you kick it off and then uh, I'll come in with my angles.
1: So let's do it like this. Let me take you through each. um, We'll we'll do each in turn. Um, I'll tell you a little bit about the starting point for a team. And then once we're done with that, let's talk about how do we contextualize that for more personal relationships. Yeah, happy. Cool. All right. So the first one obviously is cultivating psychological safety. So I'm not going to go into much depth around this because we covered it in last week's episode. But essentially what I often see with teams is that they want to start fixing structure and that's the wrong place to start. And so what I mean by that is, um, you know, they'll often call you out and they'll say we need a workshop to work on how do we give each other feedback or how do we improve accountability or how do we better manage our time and these are all structural things that a team need to get right, but often it's the wrong place to start because actually you're not focusing on the environment first. And what you will see time and time again is that um, a behavior that you try to introduce into, a, into an environment, if that environment isn't conducive to the, that behavior, it just squashes it out. And so the environment that we obviously want to see is one of psychological safety where um, people feel heard, where they feel like they can speak up, and they can speak up without being ostracized from the group. Now, what's really important here is that when psychological safety is high, people feel a greater sense of belonging. So that already creates a team environment where I feel included. But the more important point for me here is that when it's high, we also tend to disagree more, and we'll have open and honest conversations about what is and not isn't working. So. Imagine you are trying to fix feedback, right? And you get a facilitator in and you spend the entire morning talking about the best framework for feedback. And you take that back into your team, but there's no psychological safety. The team environment isn't conducive to openness and honesty. What's going to happen? That framework is going to mean nothing because people aren't going to give each other open and honest feedback. So you spend all this time working on the structure, but the environment is like, no, we don't care about the structure. It's not... um, the the environment isn't set up to support that behavior. And so one of the first things, so I I wrote in in an article that psychological safety is equal parts truth serum and confidence in the team. Truth serum in that when we have psychological safety, we can be open and honest about what isn't working. And so we have the starting point for fixing structural issues, but also confidence in the team that when I bring this to you, uh, you'll receive it with an open heart. You'll receive it in the spirit of us wanting to make things better. So when we have that as a as a starting point for team environment, a team can grow, fail, be challenged, and ultimately reach its full potential. Love it. Um, You are
0: from my from my from my perspective, what you're doing is you're building the rules of engagement. It's almost like is that is that right? So the environment is this the container in which we come in to work things out. And once we have decided that we are teammates and we have decided that we are in this together, there is no internal attacks on each other. There's just a internal discussion to make the team better. And so the rules of engagement are of utmost importance so that we often are able to realize two things. One, you are bringing a situation, a challenge to the table. And two, you are most probably the issue. Mm. And let me explain that. Is in personal relationships, you definitely are the one who's projecting and being triggered. And so you're bringing something up that most probably the other person isn't really being triggered by or has an issue with. And so there's there's the safety of bringing it to the table, but there's also a deep responsibility to realize that often this is your own shit that you're bringing to the table, and that you need to be also quite responsible uh, for realizing that this is maybe your trigger and your challenge. Mm. Um, so yeah, so I loved, I like the rules, but I uh, also think that it's important to realize that maybe and maybe often it's you for that sure. uh,
1: has this situation with this issue. Yeah, uh, yeah, and that's actually. Point number two is creating alignment, uh, a performance execution framework. So uh, you know, teamwork and relationships are extremely complex, and we tend to think it's not. You know, we we get into a relationship, um, and over time that relationship evolves and matures, maybe to some degree, hopefully to some degree. But we kind of think that we can just figure it out. We think we don't need any training on how to get those relationships to the best place possible. And actually, when you start listening to psychologists and counselors and people who know, you realize there's so much work that actually needs to go into creating those relationships, but also, obviously, creating a team that is highly functioning because teams are insanely complex. And so what's the number one thing that we need for a team to be highly productive? We need alignment. And then the reason we need alignment is because a team is full of people who have diverse backgrounds, diverse perspectives, their own stories, their own beliefs, but we put them together and we want them to move in a certain direction and accomplish a certain mission. Without alignment, that doesn't happen. And so one of the most important things we can then do is to create some sort of a performance, I call it performance execution framework, which just means out of all the things that we can focus on that's going to help us be the best possible team, what are the three or four most important ones that will help us to get where we want to go? And I find this, like, I've been fascinated by this for the past few weeks, and I have so many examples of this where you can go from, like, individual to team to organization to country, and I can give you examples of these frameworks that that emerge and that ultimately lead to transformation. I'll give you one quickly. Do you know the story about Singapore? No, to which point? Well, just like their transformation, Singapore's transformation. Why why don't you tell everybody? In 50 50 years, they went from being a third world country to being a first world country in 50 years. They had a a, a GDP per capita of $500. This was like in 1970 or something. It was akin to like Kenya, for example. And then in 50 years, they grew that to like $55,000 GDP per capita. So... They were the fourth largest in the world. And this transformation is insane, you know, like to, to take a country from, from that to this first world phenomenal modern country is, it seems like an impossible feat. But when you listen to how they did this, they had a, a very specific approach. It was called MPH, meritocracy, pragmatism, and honesty. And so what this means is that once you have this framework, everything can run through it. So Meritocracy means best person for the job, like you're not going to hire your friend or your cousin or like a family member, best person for the job. Pragmatism, we're not going to reinvent the wheel, we're going to learn from other countries, see what they've done, and we're going to copy that into our environment. And H, honesty, zero tolerance for corruption, zero tolerance. The the Prime Minister was known for saying that if you want to keep a third world country, a third world country, it's going to be due to corruption. And so everything that they did was around this formula and this filter. And of course, there are many other things they did, but you can see how this gives people a a filter or it harnesses attention and focus in a specific direction. And so because we have that, we can all move, we can all align around specific principles and ideas. And so this really speaks to what you were saying earlier. So obviously in Teams, I think this is a very important thing to do. We have to script out what does this alignment look like. But it's the same in our relationships, is that we have to script out what are certain things that are important to us as a, as a couple or as friends or as partners.
0: What, what, would, what would you say is one of them that you have with your wife? Like relate that back into a personal sort of setup with your missus. What is one specific one that we have? Yeah, that she must clean the dog shit. I'm just joking. <laughs> <laughs> that was a story off air. That, <laughs> that was a personal joke. I'm so sorry that I brought it up here. <laughs> uh, um,
1: yeah. I think one that we, that we recently created is around money. And, and this is probably one of the arenas that relationships need to be the most clear about um, was around spending money above certain thresholds. And having joint conversations about it. Uh, You're talking about yourself. It was a rule rule created for me.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Your wife had to sit down with you and have a discussion that you're spending the family fortune on technology, Eric. (laughs) Oh, my God. I was trying to keep it. Somerset's house husbands.
1: It's quite impersonal. Yes, yes,
0: yes. It's all about you, Eric. yes. So your yeah, wife so, sat so, you down and said, there's a rule here, Eric, that we need to start.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But it's a good topic. It's more of yeah, it's a it's good top topic, of yeah. joint rule. It's more of a joint rule. Yeah. But so, so I think relationships are one, um, I don't know if this counts as a rule, but like we have a, a rule around, um, time with the dogs. So like you can't book time into my diary between 12 and one most days with her too, because that's when we take the pups out for a walk. Um, I'll have but to what think about the others. money one? I think,
0: no, but what about the money one? Just go back to the details of it. What was the what was the construct?
1: Well, well no, I mean that was kind of it. Is that um certain spending above a certain threshold is oh, something that okay. we discuss before we actually pull the trigger on it. And I mean this is also because right. we we have and this would be part of the process is we've set goals for ourselves as a couple. And it's easy to to not do that. That you set your goals, I set my goals. Ah uh. And actually, for a while, we kind of struggled to do that. To be honest, we would set them, but just then, kind of let it slide by the by. Whereas now, we are much more intentional with it. And when you come in, like when you finally come and visit me, like after my, I don't know, five <laughs> hundredth <500th laughs> invitation to you, then yes. uh, you'll see. Because I, I mean, it's too far to come and visit, right? When <laughs> yeah. you are like yeah. thirty minutes away. So. Yeah. When you, when you walk into the kitchen um, against the fridge, there's a, a thing that has our words for the year, both our words for the year written on it. It has our goals written on it. And it's so, it, it's, so it's nice to be able to create right. those together and then yes. to also have them top of mind all the time yes. in a space where we both operate.
0: I love that. Love that. So what happened was the boss had to call in petty cash spending because <laughs> the staff was running wild amok. <laughs> that's that's actually what was going on well done Dan for reining in Eric's uh, wild spending okay so that's that's really good I mean um I love I love that alignment of goals and I guess yeah yeah I think for me it's um one of them is being patient with each other is uh, a sort of alignment of of what it is to actually be in a relationship is actually being patient with each other. It's like, okay, I see this is something going you going on with that. Let me hold space for you as you go through it. Um, and then also aligning to the common goals that I think in relationships are so very important so that you align your your intentionality. you align your uh, vision with each other. and Exactly the same as an organization where you have thousands of people or hundreds of people that need to all be aiming towards one. Scenario. I remember in my restaurants when I was much younger, the aim was is your customer happy? I don't want to know about the politics between you and the griller. I don't want to know about anything else. Like you can't not have change and cash flow with you because otherwise you're not worrying about the customer. So there was always just one thing we focused on, you
1: know? I love that.
0: And so I think this, yeah, this alignment is so, so very key. Um, and uh,
1: okay. To that point, uh, alignment can be, um, can look, Different in different situations. So I I love a one liner that aligns us, like one question or one statement, and we can all align around that statement. And then there are situations where it might become slightly bigger, not more complex, but just slightly bigger. So, you know, you look at the Singapore example, you have these three different things. You look at Amazon and Amazon's flywheel, they have like four to five different things that go into that. But the thing that's true about all of these alignment statements or alignment questions or frameworks is that they are easy to remember. And that's key here because it doesn't help that we talk about alignment because think about this. What do we often do in companies? We create a value statement. And I mean, I'm not going to rag on about this because like, it's, it's one of the most cliche things that we can talk about by now that we create this list of 10 different or 15 different values that go onto the website and that never actually we never actually see in the company. Ever. Like if you ask anyone, yeah. they can't rehearse or recite that. And so like it's kind of pointless. Like tr- something that truly aligns you means that I know exactly. Like if you wake me up tonight and you say to me, like, what is the most important thing? It's like, is my customer happy? Okay, good. Like because now every decision that you're going to make, every action you're going to take is going to be filtered through that. I can be happy about that. There's one from the Savannah Bananas. It's like it's quite a fascinating story about this dude who turned around a a baseball club. He he took over a baseball club and then turned it around. And one of the ways he did that is to introduce a lot of entertainment um, for the for the club. And so, like, they became the Savannah Bananas. Everything was about like they incorporate bananas into like every um, facet of the brand. Everything is yellow. There's people dancing. I think they they call them the Banana, nanas, some of that where like it's these like older people dancing in banana costumes, but anyway, like he turned this into a, a huge, huge business. And his simple thing that he aligns people around is fans first, entertainment always. And so, like I've been reading the book about how he's built that, and he tells these stories about um baseball players that would sit with fans for like long periods of time, like way longer than we would expect it from them. And then he's like, but why did you do that? And he's like, well, didn't you say fans first? And so it's just, it's so clear. And the more we have this in our relationships as well, the better. And the problem is that you might have this mental model. Like if I have this mental model of, of how our relationship should be and what we should be aligning around, that's fine. It means nothing if it's not a shared mental model. And that's why it's important for us to have these discussions and to be quite clear and explicit about what it looks like.
0: Yeah. Very good. Okay,
1: I like that. That's alignment. Let's go to the third one. So, so the last one we've actually kind of covered in the process, which is tabling the team operating system. And, and this maybe is just, you know, to be even more explicit as what we've just been talking about, to really categorize it. So when we think about a team operating system, or let's, let's say like when we look at collaboration, there are many different facets of collaboration. There are the roles and responsibilities of the team members. There's how do we deal with accountability? How do we give and receive feedback? How do we measure performance? And the more clear we can be about each of these, the better. And again, you know, something like feedback in a team is often just, oh, we sit down and we talk about what's working and not working. We don't have a structure for how to do it. And we never get trained on how to do it. And so it always feels like someone is attacking me when they're giving me feedback because we haven't scripted. That this is the way that we do it, and this is what we want to see um, happen in the team. And Brené Brown has this saying that says, "Clear is kind, and unclear is unkind." And that's what the team operating system does: is it gives you, like, it gives you the structure. This is how we do things. But what this, how we do things, is, what what that does is, it gives you clarity. Like you know, like when I show up to the team, this is how I'm going to give feedback. This is how I'm going to receive feedback. This is how we're going to have accountability uh, conversations. And all of that removes something which people hate, which is uncertainty. And we have a lot of uncertainty to deal with in the world around us. The last place where we want uncertainty is in our teams and in our relationships. So how do we remove that? By being more clear in our communication about um, what we expect from how we show up as a member of that team or a member of that relationship.
0: Yeah, you know, that the, this uh, it, it goes back to, I guess it's just a theme that you and I kind of stuck in because last time we spoke about engineering uh, the life we want. And it's exactly the same thing here, is that how much effort are we putting into behind the scenes and into the operating systems of how we show up personally and then also how we show up inside relationships and how are we held accountable to those relationships and that accountability and that level of integrity is a full-time job because you're like, ah, uh-uh, this is, you know, like uh, I, I was speaking to Wendy and uh, we were just talking about certain like characteristics that I have that I know are not conducive for long-term relationships. And one or two that she brought up, I had to really take a moment to understand the neuroscience of change. And I think it was such, a, such an aha moment for me. You know, Dr. Joe Dispenza calls it moving through the refractory period or crossing the river of change. And what this means is that when you've decided to become somebody else or you've decided to show up as a team member or a partner in a more, I don't know, kind way, you have to realize that many, many of those ideas are not well entrenched in your head. And so what you have to do is you have to now change behavior. And when you start to make a decision to change behavior, you start to cross the river of change. And as you start to cross this river of change, what happens when you're in a river? You have currents, you have rocks, you have things that are taking you off balance. And so you have to keep reminding yourself, sit with the new behavior that you are wanting to quite literally rewire and refire within your brain, in your hardware of the gray matter inside your head. And so we also have to realize that making this commitment is the easiest part of changing the behavior. Because once we cross that river of, once we start to cross the river of change, the real hard work starts because your body just wants to go back to familiarity, your brain just wants to go back to where it's happy to go to. And so this weekend was quite a thing because I had to quite literally sit there and think about thinking in a new way. And showing up in a new way as a better partner and a better team member. And so as we start to practice these psychological safety scenarios, realize that maybe they're not part of your existing personality. And again, to remind you, what is a personality? The personality is made up of how you think, act, and feel. And if you keep thinking in same ways, you can't show up as a new member of the team. And so Mm. no matter how small the team is, two people, all the way up to a few thousand people, remember that you have to most probably change quite a lot to fit into the team. And that's the hardest part. And I think that's the part that builds trust and builds commitment to the team is to show how you're willing to change your personality to create a new personal reality that's more conducive to the team and to to a more peaceful sort of coherence between the people inside those teams. So, yeah, it just seems like it's a topic that you and I are, are... Are focused on in uh, in different ways
1: yeah look but um i'll say two things in closing number one is well done for for you guys having those difficult conversations uh to start with because it's the difficult conversations and the way that we respond to those conversations that create the psychological safety and having the psychological safety means we are more likely to have these difficult conversations which means we are more likely to deal with things before they become problems which creates more psychological safety. And and that's the kind of environment that we really want in our relationships, but also in our teams. And it's, it's a tough first step, I think for many people, but having that difficult conversation and having the openness, um, not being, um, judgmental, not defaulting to blame, but approaching it with curiosity is such an important step that's going to help us create psychological safety in the long run. Um, So that's just one thing that i wanted to mention and then the second thing just in closing out the one thing that i read that i think had the biggest influence on my personal relationship with danica over the i mean we've been together now i think for about nine years she'll correct me but i think it's nine years and i can if i if i'm honest you know we've had an amazing relationship right through we've never had big fights i think we are just We're so aligned and compatible that, and, and I think, um, none of us hold on to grudges. So we've always had a great relationship, but the the thing that I heard early on, and I read it somewhere that changed my relationship was this quote that said, he loved her, of course, but more than that, he chose her every day. Mm. And (laughs) if I had to give someone some like advice for a relationship, I think it'll be that it's, you, you have to choose the person every day mm. because choosing is a very intentional thing. And when we become intentional, we align our behaviors and the way that we think about them and the way that we approach them in a different kind of way. Wow, that's, uh, that's a
0: wonderful, wonderful way to close the pod. And I think it's also very indicative of making a commitment to a team, you know, is you choose to be part yeah. of that team. And if you choose to be part of the team, it's a commitment. It's going to take work, accountability, and engineering. So thank you so much for sharing those, Eric. And thank you for sharing some of your personal life, which is not common for you, Eric. So I'm very... uh, uh, It's not. No, it's not. Thank you for teasing it out. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm so happy (laughs) I did because... I don't even know much of your personal life, and I'm so very proud that you've had such a great relationship nine years in. I mean, that's a long – you've got two kids. They look exactly like you and Dan. That's a long time. I mean, your dogs look (laughs) exactly like you and Dan. So um, (laughs) they're both hairy like both of you. Well, with your mustache, I mean, you look much more like your dogs now.
1: Yeah, yeah, Um, for sure.
0: (laughs) Well, thank you very much, everybody, for joining us on the Expansive Podcast this week. Uh, As always, if you uh, enjoyed it, please do share it with a friend. We are growing every week and every month. And we want to thank all our new listeners from all over the world. Sandra, who messaged me on WhatsApp telling me that psychological safety and, and softening in leadership should be actually called feminine leadership. Eric, I should actually send you a, a, a voice note. She's like, guys... Why don't you just call it feminine leadership? I was like, damn it. You're right. We should have. Maybe just supposed to be two guys and we did it. But Sandra, all the way from Michigan and America, thank you so much for sending that voice note. I love you so much. I'm looking forward to seeing you in Cancun. And anybody else, uh, if you have enjoyed this pod, please do go and leave us a uh, five-star rating or subscribe to us on YouTube. We are always looking to grow and expand the expansive podcast. Until next week, Ciao.